Never noticed that before. Hey. Hi. Welcome back. Hello. Welcome back to Crack the Ceiling Podcast. I'm Tiff. And I'm Lindsay. Well, every time with the sound effect. Look, it has to, it's a thing now. It's like a running shtick. So it kind of just has to happen. And I was trying to think of something more clever. And that's all I got again this time. So. It, I'm not gonna lie, and I'm really excited because we're kind of bringing back our OG shtick today, yeah, with like a whole lot more forward organization. We're bringing blind tasting back today. Woo-woo! Found a way to do it virtually Woo-woo! without any contact with each other. Oh, yeah, because we are still in lockdown in Melbourne, of course. We're gonna be in lockdown, like, everyone might as well write off October. Um, I like October doesn't exist. <laughs> It's only the beginning of September. I'm going to be slightly more optimistic and probably agree with you, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's just look at hopefully like Thanksgiving, like end of November. We'll be doing this in real uh, Lindsay, I would love to invite you over for Thanksgiving this year. Well, that would be great, Tiff. Thank you so much. <laughs> Get my cranberry beers out. It'll be great. I can't wait. Yeah, I don't have any. I do. I actually... I have a behemoth um, pumpkin pie stout, imperial stout, in my fridge that I bought a year ago, and I never had. (laughs) Time to drink that. Yeah. I don't know how how well pumpkin pie stouts age, but (laughs) in cans, but we'll see. It's been in my fridge the entire time. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be totally fine. Yeah. So (laughs) we're here in lockdown. Linz, how have you been? How have you been since our last episode? Ah, you know. All good. All fine. Still have a broken foot. Everything's fine. Tiff, how about you? (laughs) Oh, you know, I'm good. I'm really, I'm really happy that the sun's kind of coming back out. The spring weather is kind of setting in a little. It's like really lifting the mood for me. Yeah. So yes, we may be locked down forever at this point, but I'm feeling, you know, I like the sunshine. At least we have sunshine and like maybe 20 degree weather. I may have even snuck outside with a G&T in my coffee cup yesterday uh, for just one lap around the park. For shame. I'm sure nobody else is doing that in Melbourne. <laughs> Actually, there's a bar by me that's selling cocktails takeaway still, and they're putting it in coffee cups, which, like, whatever. That rule makes no sense. It was my one joy of being locked down was being able to walk around and have drinks, so, like, it's my one little rebellious thing that I've been doing. Yeah, I do heaps of rebellious shit. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to give it up yet. <laughs> so I'm really excited because we have a guest today. Yay! Yes, we do. Yay! And it's someone All right. I've been wanting to get on for a while um, just because I'm super infatuated with him. Um, <laughs> I've had a crush for a very long time. <laughs> 
now bringing to the virtual pod who's just sitting here on screen anyways tito you're here hello hello hey so happy to be here well i mean i'm in my house but (laughs) something talking to new faces on my screen is always a really exciting thing at this point yeah definitely is Oh, how have uh, you been, Tito? Have you been? Have you been going? Um, well, you know, I've just been like incredibly bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like it just like you you start running out the list of things that you could do, and then eventually you start doing them, and then eventually you realize that you finished the list and there's nothing else to do. So, yeah, <laughs> just very bored, looking for stuff to do, playing video games, trying to catch up with friends online because I've run out of like tasks and the winter cleaning and like all, all that or spring cleaning. I don't know. Yeah. Um, those- any type of cleaning. Well, just cleaning all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Tito, why don't, why don't you introduce yourself for everyone out here who may not have come across you in their time in beer, you know, over the years, really? Yeah. Tito, who um, are you? How long have you been here? Tell us your story. Uh, well, my my name is Tito Orellana. Well, um, my name is actually Eduardo, but um, Tito is my the name that I go by, my nickname. Um, I am I am Chilean. I've been living in Melbourne for five years and working in the beer industry for uh, a little bit, like three and a half, I guess. I currently work at Carwin Sellers as part of their front of the house team, usually behind the bar, but over lockdown, I've been working a few shifts at the bottle shop. And from this weekend, I'll be also serving some growlers uh, over the bar. Oh, Carwin's going to do growlers. Yeah. That's excellent news. Yeah, I mean, like we, we we do have beer, and we don't want that beer to get old, so we need to start uh, moving that because it's also like really good beer. Yeah, we don't want that to be like thrown to to the drain or anything, you know. Yeah, and especially uh, since we're not coming out till November. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, although we we did have a lot of uh, plans for the co- upcoming months, uh, now we have all this beer that we need to still. Uh, get to the public if they can, and for us to not have to throw out uh, or just put on the drain all this like magnificent beer from different independent producers around Australia. Yeah, and a few imported as well. Yeah, and and to not sell bad beer when we do open back up, you know, you want to you want to move those kegs as soon as possible. Exactly, you yeah. you don't want to keep the all those kicks of pale ale for four months without being served or anything. Open the taps. Yeah. Open the taps. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's like the worst thing coming out of these extended lockdowns is like, I mean, typically not Carwin's higher standards, right? But you know, you go to you go to some other pubs and you feel like you're drinking beer. Uh, yeah. off, the tap, <laughs> off of a keg that was tapped maybe back in May at this point. <laughs> yeah, like 10-month-old IPAs and stuff. Yeah, oh. yeah. That's, it's a, that's a sad oh. time here. Yeah, it's not great. But, uh, but I'm very glad that we're starting to do that. Also, it gives me a chance to be close to the taps where, where, is, where most of my work is usually done. Yep. 
back in your home base. But yeah, so um, tell us how and why you came to Melbourne, Australia. Um, so I've been working in hospitality my whole life. And one of the reasons why I chose hospitality, um, I studied hospitality management when I was 18. In Chile, it's kind of a thing that like you need to study to get a job. Yeah. So like hospitality, yeah. you have to go through hospitality school and such. And it's like four years to be able to just get a bachelor degree. Wow, is, holy crap. In hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. And like in anything, if you want to be a graphic designer, you have to study five to six years. Yeah, right. Like there's no bachelor uh, shorter than four years. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty annoying, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, one of the reasons is because I wanted to move and have the experience of living in another country and hopefully a country where I would have to speak another language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read a new English, so Australia was an easy choice. And where hospitality was also like really well developed, uh, but also that it had a very nice um, music scene. And Melbourne was like the cultural capital of Australia. So yep. that looked like the best place to go. And after I started reading about all the restaurants and different bars that were there and looking at a lot of photos online, I was completely determined that that was the city that I wanted to live in. Yeah. How good. And you moved here what year? Uh, April 2016. Right. So it's been a little bit over five years. Um, And yeah, I came with the idea of hopefully actually getting more into the wine side of things. So like the first places that I applied to work were uh, wine shops or small wine bars, because most of my experience in hospitality in Chile was with wine. We're a huge uh, wine country, yeah, wine producer. Um, So... Eventually, I just got any sort of job that I could get because no one would hire me, even though that I had a hospital degree and I had all these things saying that I have good English and experience working in both languages. I couldn't couldn't get a job until I got one in a small cafe slash bar slash restaurant um, slash bottle shop. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, it was one of the things that uh, I thought I, I would touch here, like how hard it was to actually get a get a job, even though that I could speak the language and knew most of the things that I was working with. Um, I eventually found myself working in the beer industry because I worked in all these other hospitality venues until eventually I got the chance to get a, I don't know if a trial shift or just an interview at Stomping Ground. And that's where I started my, um, I guess, professional uh, beer story. Beer journey. <laughs> yeah. I reckon heaps of people started at the Tap House and Stomping Ground. Oh, 100%. And that's how, like, for as far as how I know Tito, like, I met Tito after I'd been in Melbourne for a month because we were both setting our certified Cicerone exam um, back in April of 20. Did you guys do it together? Yeah, we took the yeah. exam. Yeah. Us and Astorita. But like I was working at Tap House at the time, but I was going to Stomping Ground because they were doing like Cicerone study courses. And that's how I met Tito. Um, 
Yeah. And well, of course, we ended up working together down the road, but like, yeah, same company. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. That was our, um, our first yeah. interaction. And also, uh, volunteer at the ABAs, I guess. Before he started in beer, then. So before yeah. he was at Stomping Ground. Before, I mean, I don't know how long before Stomping Ground this was, but I was the Goose Island ambassador. So we were doing these Goose Island dinners, like, like full sit down, fully paired dinners. And we did one in the private room at Garden State in the city. And so they set me up with like their A team to come and like help serve the dinner and like pull it all together. And I met Tito that night. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I think one of the main reasons why I decided to like fully do the jump into the beer industry was because I met Tiff that night and I saw someone who was talking about beer and pairing it with food, which was exactly what I wanted to be doing. And after I had a chat uh, with you, Tiff, and maybe someone else there, um, I think you might have invited me to this launch event that you had with Boat Rocker um, a week after. It it wasn't a long time after, but it was in October and it was called the October Beer. Yes. It was an event in Q in a boathouse. And yeah. and I just went there after I had had like this really nice chat while I was just serving the food um, with Tiff. And I, and I went to this event and I started talking with more people there. Uh, there were some brewers from Boat Rocker um, and some other people that work in the industry as well. So I just started having chats with them and I went with my former partner who even wanted me to like stop, stop drinking and like, <laughs> no, he wasn't into beer at all and trying to convince me to kind of like uh, get out of the, that side of the business. And I just went into this place and like had these amazing chats with all these people. And after that, I would, like three days after that, um, a friend of mine told me, told me that they were hiring people at Stomping Ground. He had just gotten a job in September, and he was working at the bar, I met Ryan, and he told me that they were looking for people for summer. So I immediately um, sent my CV and I got the job. Like, And I, I was working my first shift at Stomping Ground the first week of November. That's amazing. And this is like pretty much a month after I had had that dinner at, um, at Garden State. <laughs> It was like one of those things that like I already knew all these things with brands and everything. I had worked in the Melbourne Supper Club and I had worked in Garden State very close to the person who bottled the wine and the people, the person who bottled the spirits. And I started like looking at this other part. It's like, what if I just do that but with beer? What if I just like try to like get into the industry just to become better at it? And yeah, I got my job. Uh, and now you're here. I remember because that night we were talking and I think I gave you my email address or something. And then I was like, yeah, come down to this event we're having, which was, by the way, the weirdest and f- most fun beer collaboration launch I've ever done. Because we had like <laughs> boats on the era. And so we were like rowing boats and drinking beer. Anyway, <laughs> it was wild. Like the head of craft beer for ABI was there that day. That was a wild day. But anyway, I totally forgot that you came to that one. I can't believe it was like 
within a month than you were working in beer. That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that was like the last thing. Like that that dinner just changed my perspective perspective of everything. And I was like, well, I never thought of myself working in the beer industry because in Chile it was just like slightly underdeveloped and all the breweries mm. were like really far away from where I lived. Um, and I could, even though that I was trying to buy all the craft beer that that I could, the price difference of the local craft beer compared to just like the normal international lagers, which was what I would, would drink, um, was a lot more. So instead of uh, buying myself a six pack of something, I would just buy myself two cans of a nice craft beer or something. But I never yeah. thought of making the jump into professional um like the professional industry. I'm always trying to rail people in with me. I'm like, if I'm going down, you're coming down with me. Yeah, you, you really did. Out. You really did, Tiff. Here we are all these years later. Exactly. <laughs> and well, since then, Tito, um, like personally, I think what you've done and what you continue to do in the beer industry in such a short amount of time, I find incredibly inspiring, especially with like be- because we're friends. I know like your visa struggles and everything, but so you're not only a certified Cicerone, we've already covered that. Um, you also have your IBD general certificate in brewing and distilling, brewing, IBD general certificate in brewing. And then you also are a BJCP judge, um, which is like the big three. And I think that's fucking amazing that you've done that in such a short amount of time of being in the industry like I've personally have only done my certified Cicerone in that amount of time and you've managed to cover all three and the way you've kind of attacked this industry with so much passion and drive is just I it's incomparable to most people I know um so but like in and especially being that you're international and You've been on a working holiday visa and a student visa. And for those who don't know, <laughs> do you want to kind of touch on that? Um, about yeah, those visas absolutely. and kind of the limitations surrounding them. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, thank you for your kind words. Um, I'll get back to the, the topic of um, certifications. But... Uh, in the topic of visas, um, I got here originally with a working holiday visa. And different from the visa from the US or the UK, uh, the Argentinian and Chilean working holiday visas didn't allow you to stay an extra year with um, farm work. Uh, while doing farm work. Yeah. Yep. So I couldn't extend it. And I was like so in love with Melbourne. And I had gotten my first experience working at a proper venue in the CBD. And I was just loving it. And the people that I met. And I was keen for Good Beer Week 2017, and <laughs> and I just wanted to stay in Australia. So um, although they finally announced the possibility of doing this um, this visa extension, I had very short time to do it. So I just decided to go for a student visa. And since then, I am on my third uh, student visa. Since then, I'm still an international student. And I'm on my fourth course that I've done since I decided to stay in Australia. So of the five years that I've been, uh, four of them I've been studying, um, which is pretty exhausting. Yeah, because wow. yeah. rules surrounding that. So you also have, war- <laughs> for those who don't know, 
student international student visas, they cost a lot of money. <laughs> um, and there's work limitations as well, correct? Yeah, that has been the biggest limitation in living in Australia because what it meant to not be able to work more than 20 hours a week, it meant that I could not get um, certain part-time jobs uh, as supervisor or manager in um, any of the places that I had worked, and which meant that I would just stay as a bartender and maybe take some other responsibilities, but nothing that would like actually increase my my wage or give me proper responsibilities, like or move forward your career really exactly ultimately. move forward exactly. So um, it's really hard. Like it it really adds up because eventually you start realizing that. Um, for me, as a beer taster, at least like someone who really wants to like be able to afford to um, buy beers and continue working in my palate um, by like learning more of these styles and buying either traditional stuff or new stuff just to understand how the industry is changing. It's always been really hard to like afford these beers. Like we already know that like there's a lot of new breweries coming up, and especially the last few years, all these beers are like or incredibly hopped. Which uh, you've already touched the topic of how expensive um, hops are, or um, barrel aged beers, or stuff like that. And it it's really hard because um, you're kind of always staying behind, so you're always depending on um, the access that you have uh, to beer from the place that you're working. Mm -hmm. that's like the possibility of like some free beer or like exposure to all these other things so like i've taken any every single chance that i've that i can to continue learning um i joined the mary mashers brewing home brewing club to be able to do a bcp course with them and be able to expose myself to all these homebrews and learn about about faults, which are much easier to find in in homebrews than in anything else, mm -hmm. or um, volunteer at the AIBA, so Australian International Beer Awards, for those yeah. who don't know, um, just because it gives you the opportunity to engage with so many pe wonderful people in the industry. But also at the end, uh, for each session that you do, you get a random case with like 20 beers or so. Uh, of all the beers that you get from the uh, from the competition, so you get stuff from everywhere and a lot of local beer as well. So that's always a, a another great way to expose yourself to all these other things. So yeah, the limitations have been hard, but you know the motivation because I I just feel really passionate about uh, beer and what's behind it um, has has been what has kept me going and trying to. To improve, and um, and this is going back to like some topics that you've talked in a, in a few of your um, uh, episodes in the past is how um, you've had the the necessity to get all these certifications um, yeah. Yeah. just to be considered um, like yeah, like you actually have the the knowledge that you know that you already have. But just to, you know, put in on, on paper and try to like um, use that as support. Yeah, the constant need to feel like 
you need the certification to prove that you know as much as everyone else around you really. Yeah. And by everyone else around us, we mostly mean white straight men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's true. Like I, I felt that same necessity. When I fir- one of my first like big jobs uh, in Melbourne, I I had my as I said like I had my resume that had all my working experience and and I went to like this company which I'm not gonna say its name or anything but um, that like gave us tests and everything that I'm talk talking about like ah oh, which cocktails do you know and I mentioned all the cocktails that I didn't know and I wrote the recipes and they gave you a random list of ten and I responded like eight of them. And I, was, I really thought that I was going to become a bartender in that place because they were doing an open call. And in the end, they just put me as a bussy. Cause, um, <laughs> and while I, I was looking at all these 18, 19-year-old kids that were put as bartenders, <laughs> they had no idea how to make a gin and tonic, you know? And I hope you turned down that bussy job. I did not because I was on my first year in Australia. Yeah, you did. And, oh, I, and it was way better money than anything else. Yep. And I just, I could not afford to um, to not take that job. And I did. And within the company, eventually someone realized that I had much more knowledge than what I required for the job that I was doing. <laughs> and I was not enjoying it. <laughs> and, and it wasn't until like I threatened to leave that they made me go into a position a different position and actually work with customers and be able to like make drinks and do all this other stuff and actually use my knowledge but it took three months to prove them that I knew the language first of all and that I actually had the experience I, I had the knowledge to do all this stuff and you're just and f- extra hard to prove yourself at that point like yeah and actually I thought that that it was it was a slightly racist, but because it was mostly all of us Latinos together in that role. Yeah. We had no idea. I never even really thought about how much more difficult it is coming in with English not even being your first language. How different that is. So now, but- all of a sudden, I'm understanding more things. Even like when I opened my bar, I had a Brazilian who spoke Portuguese and English was their second language as one of my bartenders. And I was like, why is it, why was it so hard for her to find a job? And now I understand that I never even really asked, but I should have, I should have. Yeah. There's Didn't a lot of think about assumptions um, hmm. either because like they just expect you not to have the language tools to be able to, just unfold yourself in a work environment but or or, i don't know Uh, i kind of lost my train of thought but (laughs) yeah yeah, it should be about your enthusiasm to even learn like for me if i'm looking at building a team in a bar like it's all about how well you can i don't know do you want to be there are you excited and can you talk to customers and anything outside of that you can teach yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, and I considering when I met you, I took, I don't know, the first night I met you, I was like, great, come along. Let's teach you more things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. That's crazy. So, like, I absolutely felt that I, if I really wanted to prove myself in the industry, that I needed to do these things, um, to mm. get these certifications. But the more I learned through them, the more attached I felt to beer. So, like, it, I'm so glad that it had completely the different effect that I thought it might have on me. I thought that maybe if I studied this long enough and in the middle of studying for the Cicerone, I was starting to get really, really stressed and I started like to just think that I wasn't going to be able to pass it. And I mean, we saw each other, Lindsay, on the day of the yeah. exam at 7 a, at seven a.m., yeah. two hours before the exam at a cafe where we were both just like You're checking so on all of our, <laughs> all of our like side notes and little, <laughs> no little cue cards. Just study cards. Just so stressed out. Like, did you sleep? No. <laughs> did you sleep? Yeah. No. Exactly. I yeah, I slept one and a half hours <laughs> at it overall. Oh god. Oh, yeah. I like I and get so drunk. Um. <laughs> exactly. Um, I just discovered through those studies, especially Cicerone, of how much I loved beer and how much more there was to it and how little even with the cicerone i actually knew about it yeah so after that you i've just kept on getting them because i've never really been sure that i'll be able to um to stay in australia or start in the industry and you know it's just better to have better tools on your resume and i guess that's that's why i've carried on but i also love doing it so not too bad. Tito, can I ask you why? Why do you why do you love beer so much? Um I don't know. What is it about it? No idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I've been obsessed with like um flavor and this kind of thing since I was a teenager. I was so peaky when I was a kid, but when I was a teenager I started getting into like cocktails and stuff like that and then in uni, in my first year, I had this class that was uh, called um, Technology and Alcoholic Beverages. And I chose beer as the topic of the presentation that I had to do. Everyone else would get a different spirit or type of drink. And I chose beer. And I got all this material just to make it like really pretty. And I started learning about it. And after that, I could just not never stop buying beers again. I remember spending so much money. I was like, oh my God, beer is so expensive. I'm never buying one again. And I just <laughs> tried them all and I just fell in love and I couldn't stop since then. And just coming to a country where um, the beer industry is a, it's not the biggest industry, but it's pretty big and it keeps on growing and it has all these amazing people it has made me love it even more. You know, you love the product more, the more you people around that you I think I guess I'm just kind of thinking like this is a really good time to maybe jump over and taste some beer but I don't want to stop the story because it's such a good story is there yeah. any other pieces of your story that we don't want to miss out on sharing I suppose and kind of like your very different perspective on joining the industry yeah so it's completely different have you found the people in beer to be accepting of your you being different in that like English is not your first language You've um, come from wine in another country. Yeah. I feel, um, I feel like in, in general, it, it's been fine. Um, 
feel like a few times uh, I, I've, I've never really had an issue with like I always try to confront the the customer if they ever like are not really sure of like what they want to ask or anything or they think that I might not be able to to know like I try to read the customer as much as I can and I guess after working in hospital for a very long time that kind of starts happening naturally um and we should never discredit a true hospitality professional because yeah. you have so much to bring to our industry. A hundred percent. One of the other reasons why I've like, I've decided not to take any, well, I haven't been able really to take any other type of role in, in the industry because of my work limitations, the amount of hours and everything. I've never been able to apply for a, for a role of being a rep and having yeah. that experience. Or being a brewer, yeah, which is something that also really, really interested me. Mm. But um, I feel like what what I could say is that um, with time, I've realized that um, what I what I do want to do um, with the knowledge that I've gotten and my experience is to really try to, and I'm trying to do this at uh, Calvin Sellers slowly. You know, because you know I'm the new guy and everything, but um, it's uh, trying to improve our beer service as much as we can. I feel mm. like I take the role of a Cicero more serious than anything else. I consider myself a beer judge, but a beer judge under certain parameters that are dictated by the entity, which I respect a lot. But as a Cicero, I feel like even though that we do have those parameters, there's a lot of things that are just backed by science and by experience of uh, in hospitality. Cicerone, in the end, is a service-focused uh, certification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've tried to apply that my whole life, and I feel like now in Ankara, when they're giving me the opportunity to actually teach a lot of these things back to the people, which it, it has made my work much more meaningful and and because I really care about the the quality of the beer as well, you know, I we love know. that. I love uh, it so much. And I feel like sometimes the, you know, like I, I, I took the IBD, but I'm not going to be a brewer. Probably, uh, I can't really tell in the future. But, <laughs> um, but I took the, the IBD is a certification to be a brewer or maybe yep. work really, really directly with the production of beer. This is super, it's incredibly technical. Production. It's a production and it's not even yeah. like, it's so production focused. Exactly. And you have to learn so much about like macro production as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. much, so much more than they touch on the general topics of like smaller scale breweries as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're very but- involved in making the course. Exactly. Um, but yeah. as like, you know, there's people that do the Cicerone because they really want to either, you know, have something in their resumes to say the experience that they have with beer and that they have the knowledge and also expose themselves to like all these older styles and everything. Um, a lot of people just don't carry beyond that with the, in terms of service because unless you're actually working, you know, behind the bar, a lot of these other things from Cicerone get lost. I feel like I feel like someone has to take the reins in the industry to like improve 
in general, like the bar scene. I feel mm -hmm. like there's something that a lot of bars could learn and just to improve the quality of the beer um, and the beer service as well. I've been banging that drum for years, but I'm glad that you feel strongly and like it would be awesome to see that kind of take hold, grow. Yeah, well, yeah I wish uh, eventually we could do something with it. I could like try to do a project just related to try to improve this in general. I'm not sure. Uh, in the meantime, I'm just glad that I'm getting the chance to do it because I'm feeling... I can't wait for us to reopen. Actually, because <laughs> like I just, I just want to be working there on, on the lines and just be pouring beer and talking to people and just pouring a perfect pint, yeah. and just looking at it. <laughs> it's been just freshly poured and it has the right amount of head. Oh, you know, I was it's just it's so satisfying. The dream, the dream. All right, I'm thirsty now. Yeah, let's take a quick pause yeah. and we'll come back for some blind tasting because you made me thirsty, Tito. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. And we're back and we're ready to crack. <laughs> I love the cue on that. And we're ready to crack. Tip. <laughs> Who doesn't like saying crack all the time? Ready to crack. That's our... um. Are we going to, can we start every episode with that now? Please. <laughs> All right. All right. I can already smell this just from cracking it open. Ooh. Uh. So many interesting things to say. Anyway, <laughs> I'm really excited that we finally have figured out how to organize the blind tasting back into the this podcast. So Tito, who is currently working at probably one of the best bottle shops in all of Australia, arranged for something to be up there the labels peeled off so it's just a silver so blank can we have no way of cheating peeking <laughs> knowing what's inside without tito telling us when after we guess so we've just cracked them open Man, and go kind of from this, are we describing color because <laughs> i just yeah, talk about the aroma <laughs> it is like it's like dark copper um it's got some real loose head that's dissipating fairly quickly um go go ahead hit the aroma and it smells like root beer it smells it smells like root beer like a soured root beer or a sarsaparilla it <laughs> it is something in my childhood brain it smells like one of those root beer candies tiffs you know the root beer little <gasps> barrels in the yeah i love those sorry this is very specific the IBC sounds like a very American candy. snack. Yeah, or like the sour, the sour. It's almost like the sour Coke bottles as well. Like that. Oh, it does smell. It's like <sighs> it smells like the taste of a sour Coke bottle. Is this a, is this a sour Coke? Uh, <laughs> I haven't tasted it yet. Hold on. So all we know is that this is something that's currently available at Carwin Cellars. Um, it definitely smells sour. Outside of like, it smells like sour Coke bottle gummies. Slash the root beer barrels. Those hard candy root beer barrels. Oh, those things are so fucking good. But it smells sour. Like there's some actual spontaneous fermentation in there. Not that it's just like a, it's not a kettle sour okay. I'm going with. Which, yeah. So it smells sour in the sense that it's, it's a little bit layered. Like it's, it's, 
Yeah, malolactic and other stuff. <laughs> it's not technical. I don't know. Tito, your thoughts? I'm, I'm, I'm watching Tito for fun for everything we say because personally, well, both of you know way more about tasting and understanding beer than I do. So I'm like... <laughs> Ooh, it's delightfully balanced. Like, it's sour, like like sour candy sour. But there's, like, quite a nice bit of sweetness behind it. So the overall, yeah. like, the mouthfeel, the overall, like, palate is quite balanced. And but it's it does a little bit thinner than I expected. Like, it isn't, like, there's, it's not necessarily chewy. So I'm guessing mm. there's no, like, wheat or oats in this, which is nice. Um I really like this beer. I just like I can't get I can't move past the it's like aroma. <laughs> reminiscent of like going down the wildflower amber path, but definitely more of like a punchy sour, like way zingier in the sour. Yeah, but and the yeah. yeah. And it doesn't have any of like like personally I don't get any brett or any ropiness. Or any kind of, there's no barrel characteristic there either. Um, no, it's just quite dry. Mm, well. It's very dry. Um, it's and it is it is thin bodied. It is like, look, my first instinct as far as style went was like some sort of weird modern oud bruin. Like, but that's just probably because of the sour and the color. Um, I mean, yeah, but that's kind of. I mean, an oud bruin is a real vague loose style. Exactly. Um, to me, this would be somebody's like beer de coupage, where they're kind of blending a bunch of stuff in. Mm. Or it's ah, yeah. sour. It's an American, a soured American brown. <laughs> I did actually notice on the shelves this week, somebody has a cola sour on the shelf. Somebody local. But I didn't taste it. And I just feel like a cola sour. I don't know. I feel like if this was going to be anything, it would be a cola sour. Look. I just, like, I can't get over that aroma. It is blowing my mind. It reminds me of childhood. It is so... Well, I can tell you who put out a cold sour this week, if you want to call it and you think it's that. And I do actually, you know what? I've changed my mind on this. I'm also calling it as a kettle sour. Mmm. Because it's just that, like, tight lactic sourness. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's tangy, but there's not, there's not, I'm not finding any funk. I'm not finding any, um, like... I'm I'm calling kettle sour on this for sure. Uh, Tito's laughing. I Do you like, think it's the tall boy and moose co- cola sour? Is that who makes the cola sour? What I saw on the shelf this week. Because I think this is more. <laughs> I think this is going down more like black arts kind of blending of things kind of area. Yeah. Like a blended <laughs> sour. Tito's getting a Do you real have any questions? Ties into the cola. I've I've, I've okay. heard the the shows. Like I've heard that you you might ask if okay, it's so. local or not, or like that sort of thing. You know, is, is this Australian? It is Australian. Is it Victorian? It is Victorian. Okay, but if it's Black Arts or if it's Tall Boy and Moose, <laughs> it's gonna be like. And you know what? I am I am gonna say if there is a cola sour out there, and if Tallboy and Moose makes the cola sour, then I'm calling that. I'm calling this as the cola sour. But I don't know. I've never had it before. <laughs> to be fair, I've had heaps of Tallboy and Moose beers. Um, 
I would. I'll be honest. Drink this is a cold sour. I like it, and I'm buying another can. I'm buying another can. Yeah. Um. Well, do you want me to tell you? Yes. What is it? All right, we're ready. Put us out of our misery. Do it. It is indeed the nice, the cola sour by Tallboy and Moose. <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> that was real teamwork, Lynn. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm so glad you've looked at shelves because I did not know what was out there. <laughs> Listen, thought- my daily outing is to my local bottle shop, and I every day I look at the shelves like there's something new on it. Um. And there's not something new every single day. And so I just go through and look at the same things. Anyway, how fun. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, th- I thought I would bring a, a weird one that looked dark but tasted not dark at all. Yeah, Lindsay, you picked up that cola so quickly. As soon as I opened the can, I was like, lollies. <laughs> For everyone out there, if you like those sour gummy cola candies. Yeah. Uh, this is basically a liquid version, but also super drinkable. It's so crushable. Like, it's. Yeah. It's not like sickly sweet or anything. No. As you no. said, like, it just feels sweet on the palate, and after that, it's gone. It's just like that little bit of tartness left. Yeah, it's not. It kind of tastes If you leave, like, a cola, not like Coca Cola, but like a, like a local cola, like a craft cola, and you let it go flat and then. Drop some acid into it. Not like psychedelic acid. <laughs> That'd be a great point. No. <laughs> Wait, is that what you're talking about, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> then you'll have a good day. <laughs> uh, I hey, this is great. We're trying to blind tasting. Oh, this is a great time. <laughs> Fuck, Tito. Thank you. What a delight. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it could be fun. So fun. Shout out to Tallboy and Moose. This is delicious. Yeah. yeah was- just, just pouring a little more. Roma is just so fun for me. That's great. What ABV is this coming in at? I do have the can here oh. with oh. the label. It's 4.2%. 4.2? Hmm. 4.2, yes. Uh, basically, basically soft drink. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that... Is a that is a label that is a beer label. Mm. Oh, that was delightful. That's the most fun I've had <laughs> this week. <laughs> it's just like we haven't done it in so long, um, and it's just so fun to do it, and especially to do it with you, Tito. And like, I would like to. I don't know. This is talk for later, but we need to do more episodes and get more cicerones and judges together to just blind taste beers and have them try to call it. I think that's it's such a good. It's just fun. Like for for a good while, I was thinking of maybe just choosing like uh, a very different duvel or something like that, mm, or yeah. like or maybe do another ESV because you talked so much about them in the first <laughs> few episodes. I love ESVs, but. <laughs> But then I saw this cola sour, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, like I'm just like I, I had seen it before, and I remember it being really dark. So it's oh, great. It, it just looks like a like something completely different that it's gonna be. I mean, it is like it is quite cloudy. It's uh, look. This is something I feel like a lot of people would judge me for drinking, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. That was very fun. I like it. But 
I like the idea of bringing on more cicerones and judges. We could do more wedgesodes where we just roll yeah. with the blind tastings. Yeah. Maybe slightly less drunk than the last one. No, I think I think it's nice for us to be drunk. I think we need to do buffer episodes where we're like getting <laughs> drunk and also talking about the good things in beer because so much of this, I think, because it's heavy conversations we don't talk about all the time. I feel like it does feel like we're just like this serious podcast, but in the end, we all work in the beer industry and we love the beer industry. And because we love it, that's why we want it to be better. And that's why we want to have this conversations. It's coming from this place of absolute love and desire for what's best in the industry. I think. Well, yeah, that kind of, so this is where we kind of throw to like, so what can we throw back to the industry to consider after this conversation? So like, for me, it's for everyone out there who's hiring staff because at some point we're going to come out of this lockdown in Melbourne and Sydney especially. Everyone's going to be hiring staff again and it's going to be like really look at what people know and, and you know, not consider where people are from. Yeah, exactly. I feel like um, like there's a reason people like have their resumes and everything and they make it like just have a look at them um if you're not really sure have a have a chat with them with the candidates you know when they come for an interview just talk with them why what they why they want to work in that place sometimes i feel like some job interviews become so basic with the same questions that um Mm. A lot of a lot gets lost as well. Yeah, and you're not really looking at the individual. We need to start looking at people as individuals more, and what different things they can bring to the table. Because um, not everyone's going to bring the same thing. And fuck, don't yeah. hire your friend. And especially with you, like with you being an international and fussing with work rights and everything that you're fucking fighting through. And you're staying here because you love it and you're working in beer because you love beer, but it's not easy for you to get a good job. And that's fucking bullshit with how qualified you are. Um, I don't know. There needs to be, there needs to be a a better pathway, I think, um, for people like you into the industry and to, and to be here for a long time, forever. Yeah, uh, I agree. There should be an easier way. But also, like, anyone who wants to, I think we we also should take that anyone who wants to join the beer industry, that they should just dare to um, get a job at a bar or, like, if they really want to start meeting people from the industry to network and all, uh, to volunteer at the AIBAs or another Mm -hmm. award um, competition. Yeah. um, To... Try to get like these gigs at festivals that a lot of breweries will do as well. Yep. And like talk to people, like reach out, ask for advice. Like, talk you know, to people I'm in at, your local bar. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just like the same way that I met Tito when he was not working in beer. But like, you know, for everyone, for everyone else who is working in beer, invite other people in, show them how great it can be working in the beer industry. Let's open it up and be welcoming like we should be. Yeah. 100%. Love it. I agree. Well, Tito, thank you so much for uh, 
spending a lockdown night chatting with me and Lynn. Yeah, thank this has been you. super fun. <laughs> oh, it's been so fun. Thank you so much. And there's so much. <laughs> All right, we'll have. To Where can people on. find you on the internet if they want to <laughs> find you, follow you, see what you're up to, learn from you? Um, yeah. So my Instagram, which is mostly stuff related to my beer life, either at home, at work, or the random beer photos that I take. Um, the hash, the sorry, the Instagram account is arriba birra, which is a r r i b a b i r r a. And we'll tag you in this post and, as well. And we'll, yes, we'll tag you in the post, and we get this episode up for sure. Arriba birra, and it's a palindrome, so you can read it the same oh! way from the back How to the front. Cool is that? The other way around. <laughs> So that way, you know, if you're actually making any, any mistakes on the name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you work at Carwin Cellars. People can find you in the bottle shop at the moment. Yeah. Um, uh, Currently at the bottle shop, but uh, from this weekend, I'll be also serving uh, growlers at the bar. So good. By the time this comes out, you'll be on growlers. Yeah. And I, for one, will be making the trip up to fill growlers at Carwin. Yeah. Fantastic. Can't wait to tell you all about it. Excellent. Awesome. Lynn, where can we find you? Hey. Oh, me. Where can we find you? At home. <laughs> <laughs> On the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At home playing Skyrim. Um, you can find me at Talk Beardy to Me. And it's Beardy with a DY. I don't know why I always have to specify that, but I do. Tiff, where can we find you? I am at Beer Girl Bites all over the internet. And you can find all of us at Crack the Ceiling Podcast on Instagram and Crack the Ceiling Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Get in touch with us. Tell us if you want to talk, if you learned anything today, or if you just want to find Tito so that you can get some knowledge from him. You can fangirl him like I do just like all the time. <laughs> Whenever I awesome. oh, Thanks for your time, everyone. We'll see you next time on Crack the Ceiling. Yay, thanks guys. Thank you.